your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lewer and Falk to the near side. Ramir Johnson splits out. It's an empty backfield now for McCaffrey. Luke gets the snaps. Going to follow off the right side. Cuts in the middle. Breaks a tackle into the end zone. Touchdown, Nebraska. Luke McCaffrey from five yards out. The Huskers a point away from tying the game. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And good evening. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope you had a wonderful day today, a chance to maybe eat, catch up with some family and friends, uh, but also hope you did it in a safe fashion as we uh, certainly are still dealing with the virus here late in 2020. And there was a lot on, on the tube today, a lot of NFL football this afternoon. You had some college basketball and unfortunately a loss for the Huskers in their first matchup in the Golden Window Tournament at PBA today as they dropped a heartbreaker to Nevada, 69-66. to Here's what we have coming up in this hour of Sports Nightly. Ben will, re- will join us here in a couple of minutes with a preview of his Cornhusker conversation that will air in its entirety tomorrow during Husker game day. We'll also have a Big Ten Blitz tonight. Check out what's about to happen this weekend at Penn State, at Michigan State, and also Rutgers, as those three teams all coming off of interesting games from the last week and see about their matchups for this weekend in Big Ten football. All those games taking place on Saturday. It's just the Huskers and the Hawkeyes that will get going uh, tomorrow, the only Friday game in the league. We'll also have our Choices Treatment Center, Big Ten Picks. We'll review how we did last week, and we'll have the full table uh, with this one as uh, Josh Austin Tim and Ben will all be along for their Big Ten picks for the week. So a full hour coming up here on Sports Nightly. But, Austin, let's start with the men's basketball team. Poor shooting day for the Big Red. They only shot 25% from the floor in the first half. Warmed up a little bit in the second half to shoot 33%. Wiped out a six-point halftime deficit. Ended up taking a 10-point lead at one point in the second half. But, Credit to Nevada and Grant Sherfield, who made a big three and a couple of free throws late to give the Wolfpack a three-point win over Nebraska. Disappointing because we were all so excited about the offensive explosion we saw yesterday against McNeese State. But, boy, it did not carry over from one day to the next. No, you, you want to joke about you know saving some points for the next day. would have been nice for Nebraska to have a few today. It's disappointing, Greg, because of how close Nebraska came to be. Down six at half to get all the way up ten. And then Nevada really dug in on the defensive end. That's a veteran, well-coached team. Steve Walford actually has as many wins in college basketball as Tom Izzo does now with 607 apiece. Nevada knows what they're doing. They're an older team. They're tough. And I'm going to put money on that this is Nebraska's worst offensive day of the year. 29% from the floor, 9 of 41 on threes. Disappointing offensive day for sure. But I think defensively, even though you give up 69 points, we saw this team dig in. They got a lot of stops. And then that three by Sherfield at the end, that's a tough shot. I mean, Delano Banton kept Sherfield in front of him, had to hit it over him. Last year's team doesn't make this game this close. A couple eight-minute field goal droughts. This team kept attacking, going to the line. I don't think last year's team did that, and that's why I'm not overly worried. It's disappointing, yes. Nebraska had plenty of chances to win this one. Still looking you know, for a killer instinct, someone to take over with the game on the line. But enough positive signs in here, even in an ugly, disjointed, choppy game. Yeah, you can, you can find good, you can find bad in this thing. The good, 
You shoot, Nebraska shoots 29% for the game, 18 of 62, 9 of 41 on threes. Mm-hmm. Nevada shoots 48%. Well, you really shouldn't be in a game when you get out shot like that, and yet it's a one-possession game. Then on the other side, that problem with rebounding, which was such an issue a year ago for this team, reared its ugly head again today as the Wolfpack out-rebound the Huskers 49-31. to so, and, and Nevada had a couple of big boys. Himes was, was big inside. Meeks was a big body down low for the Wolfpack. Um, you know, it, it, it's a disappointing loss because you, you get up 10 at home inside the last 10 minutes. Those are the kind of games you need to finish off. They didn't find a way to get it done today. Three players in double figures. Banton with 18, 17 for Teddy Allen. 13 for Kobe Webster. And Kobe Webster, I think, could end up being a bit of an X factor for this team. Austin, he doesn't seem to mind to want to take big shots. He made a couple of big shots when Nebraska had their run to wipe out the deficit and build the lead. But late, it was kind of Delano Banton who kind of took took on his shoulders a lot of the shooting ability. And Nevada was daring him to shoot threes. And Delano only goes three of 11. That's not going to be a strong suit for him. So you're right. I think last year's team doesn't even make it this close, but it's disappointing. This is a Nevada team with, with just one starter back from last year and picked for six in the Mountain West, and you got them down 10 at home. I know Fred Hoiberg's not going to sleep well tonight. That turkey's not going to taste very good to, to Coach Hoiberg tonight. <laughs> no, definitely not as well. And think about what else Nebraska had to withstand. I mean, Trey McGowan doesn't score a single point, 0-5 from the floor. Thor, 0-4 from three-point range. An off day from... Lat Main as well. So, you know, that's disappointing stuff, especially from Thoreau for Trey McGowan. So I thought it was pretty good despite not scoring, pretty good defensively. And it was a choppy game. Nebraska didn't get the chance to get out and run like it did against McNeese. I think Nebraska was more athletic than Nevada. It struggled in the half court when Nevada could pack it in a little bit. Still forced 21 turnovers. Did the mm-hmm. Huskers only 20 points off of them, though, as opposed to 47 against McNeese. Yeah, they. I mean, in two games, they have forced their opponents into 48 turnovers. That's unbelievable. Astounding. But, yeah, to not get more production out of that, and that's partly credit to Nevada. That You know that their right. big emphasis was get back on defense, try to cut off Nebraska from getting transition buckets. So, you know, that was a huge part of their game plan. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I'm in Iowa City getting ready for tomorrow's Husker matchup with the Hawkeyes. Austin's back in Lincoln in our broadcast center. The Huskers arrived here in Iowa City a little before 5 o'clock, and they'll have some meetings tonight and then get ready uh, for the noon kickoff tomorrow. Our pregame coverage tomorrow will begin at 7 a.m. with the opening drive. So Big Ten football, Black Friday football for Nebraska, an opportunity to wipe away the bad taste of last week's Illinois game uh, in a shortened week, and that may be the good thing, is that it was a short week to try to bounce back and get ready for the Hawkeyes, who are playing great football. They have just demolished their last three opponents, whipping up on Michigan State, Minnesota, and Penn State in their last three games. So a big challenge for the Big Red tomorrow. And for Husker Hoops, no game tomorrow. They're back on the hardwood on Saturday. They'll play an 11 a.m. game against the Bison of North Dakota State, who played Nevada yesterday, got beat by 14 by the Wolfpack. So the Huskers will get their third game here in five days when they play again on Saturday. Well, our text line, 531-500-4686, if you want to share a thought or two. Brought to you by U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. When we come back, Ben will join the show, and he'll play uh, give us a little snippet of his 
full-blown Cornhusker conversation this week with Colin Miller, who is out for the year but is with the team traveling here to Iowa City. We'll have that coming up next. Welcome back, Sports Nightly, here on the Husker Sports Network. We've got uh, coming your way tomorrow, Nebraska and Iowa Black Friday, as we do the day before every game. We take a sneak peek of what you can hear on our Cornhusker conversation tomorrow on Husker Game Day with myself and Brendan Stye. Uh, doing something a little different this week. This is an interview we did uh, about a week ago with, with Colin Miller. Of course, everybody remembers uh, the scene on the field at Memorial Stadium last week with him laying on the ground and being carted off the field. Uh, with a spinal concussion is what we're being told. Um, and I thought, you know, instead of just letting this go away and, and not, not play this, this would be a good opportunity for everybody to get to know Colin a little bit better. And you know, everyone's talking about how, how good of a guy he is. Um, so I thought you would enjoy getting to know him a little bit, talked a lot about his family. And um, with his season being over, figured this was a good time to honor him by playing that conversation. So here's a little bit of what you can hear tomorrow. Welcome back to another edition of our Cornhusker Conversation. And today we're happy to welcome in Nebraska middle linebacker Colin Miller. Colin, a handful uh, of games under the belt now. And, you know, we were just chatting a little bit ago. I, I know the season hasn't gotten off to the start that we had hoped, but probably a little bit better feeling going through this and watching film than what we were going through six months ago. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, all we wanted to do was play football. Um, we just wanted to get back in, hit somebody new, run around, and just play the game that we love. So, yeah, definitely better being out here than being at home, sitting on the couch watching other people play. You and I chatted a, a, a few weeks ago just about the, the tone of the middle linebacker room right now and, and what that's been like without Mo and having to develop, I don't want to say a new culture, but kind of a, it's a new feel. Anytime you lose a captain and a leader, there, there's a void there. What's, what's been the, just the attitude and the day-to-day -day like in that middle linebacker room, Colin, without him and, and you and Will kind of taking things over? Yeah, I definitely think um, Mo like showed us the ropes on how things were supposed to be done around Nebraska, um, taking people under their wing, um, coaching them up when they needed to be coaching them up, loving them up when they need to be leveled up. But um, yeah, I definitely think we got a good group of guys in here, you know, um, from all over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all talk and goof around and laugh all the time. And um, when it's when it's football time, it's football time and we lock in. But outside of the stadium, we know, we know how to have a good time and, you know, kind of like build this relationship that we have. It's been really fun watching your role change over the years already. It's hard to believe that you're already one of the older guys that uh, yeah. that, that is looked at in the room. Um, when you think about or maybe maybe it, it, it comes up with talks to your to your parents or to friends back home, but just how far you've come already in your career at Nebraska, I know middle of the season isn't time to reflect but maybe you did some of that you know during the the pandemic but have you thought about your 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 progression I guess in this program to where you started to where you're at now and having the, the role that you have and have everybody kind of look up to you yeah it's crazy to think about um from when I came in as a freshman to being the old guy being a senior and you know everyone looking kind of at you like you're the old guy around the around the locker room but um yeah coming in as a Redshirt freshman, um, came in as a DN, like hybrid outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, had my hand in the dirt, rushing against those tackles. Um, so going up against guys like David Neville and Nick Gates and all these guys that, you know, people now today have no clue who they are, but I had good relationships with people back then. Um, so yeah, so putting my hand in the dirt and rushing them to next thing you know, 
new coaching staff comes and I'm working as a linebacker inside, outside, bouncing bet- like fourth and one another. And then here comes another staff and then I'm moved to outside linebacker. I'm getting comfortable with outside linebacker and then I go to inside linebacker. And um, now I'm kind of, you know, comfortable at inside linebacker, uh, voted captain of my teammates, um, just starter. So, I mean, it's it's been a long journey, long process, but it's definitely paid off in my favor, I could say. Um, coming from a DN, and next thing you know, I'm inside linebacker. What were you recruited as? Like what? Like when when they were pitching you to come play at Nebraska, what what was their their selling point and and you coming to be? Because everybody wants to know how the, how they're going to fit in at the at the next place. What what did they tell you about what what to expect with your role? Yeah, so I was with um, Hank Hughes, who was the defensive line coach, and before I even got to campus, Hank Hughes was released, and um, they brought in John Perella. John Perella used to play here, uh, played in the NFL for a long time, loved, loved Coach JP, um, have a lot of respect for him. But um, just to get me here, um, it didn't have to do anything with my position or anything like that. Um, I just loved Nebraska. I loved what Nebraska brought to the table, um, the fans, um, just the people around Lincoln, just very welcoming people, very open-armed people. Um, so, yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska is kind of what sold me. but. Yeah, I just came here just to play football. I loved everything about Nebraska. Colin Miller, Nebraska middle linebacker. Sneak peek of our Cornhusker conversation tomorrow. Really going to miss seeing him out there, and the team's going to miss his leadership uh, for the remainder of the season with him being out uh, with that injury. But it was great to to hear that he was out at practice walking around and he will be making the trip to Iowa City with the team as well. Callers and guests into the show, join us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. we got more Sports Nightly coming up. Well, time for us to take a little spin around the conference. We call this the Big Ten Blitz. The Big Ten Blitz. Michigan State. Let's talk about the Spartans who did not get to play last week with a game that got canceled because of COVID issues at Maryland. What what about this season to this point? It's been kind of herky-jerky for the Spartans, hasn't it, Hondo? Yeah, it has, but I want to defend Mel Tucker for a moment. Mark D'Antonio left the program in such disarray, and then we had, adver- we had said months before that we were hearing his game plan was to retire after the second signing day to try to force Michigan State to hire Mike Tressel. That didn't work, so literally the day before he retired, Mel Tucker comes in, can't save the recruiting class, then he loses all of spring. They got no spring practices. And on top of it, several bad recruiting classes. So Mel Tucker inherited a complete mess. COVID made it even worse. But the thing is, is people see what he's doing. Recruiting is going very well. He beat Michigan, so it's a throwaway season. But you're right. It's been herky-jerky. But I can tell you in East Lansing, there's hope because they're seeing a lot of changes that they didn't like in the D'Antonio era, and he's moving away from it. So there is a lot of, believe it or not, excitement about the future, just not about this year. Honda, with three games left, and maybe the fourth if we get to play those crossover games on the 19th, what what would make a good finish for this season for the Spartans? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you, brother. I don't think a whole lot more can change it. they got to win over Michigan. And at Michigan State, if you've got to win over Michigan and lose everyone else, it's almost a good year. 
and I don't mean that to be funny, but, you know, one more win would be gravy. But people know what this team is. They get it. It's just like Husker fans. They understand the game. So they know what they've got. They realize the situation. And and so, I, I, I mean, another win would be gravy. But at this point, they know that this is about as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Okay, this week, Northwestern comes in. They're coming off a huge win over the Badgers. Size up this matchup with the Cats on Saturday for us. I think Michigan State wants to be able to get out of there healthy to play a lot of young guys for the future and just hope to not get utterly embarrassed. That's the plan for Michigan State this week. Keep it close. Keep it within two scores, and you're happy with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody who realistically gives the Spartans a chance. But at the end of the day, Greg, you know this. With Northwestern, when you start to believe in them, they always disappoint. When you don't, they exceed. So maybe now with a little ex- a little. You know, with a little bit of expectations on them, is, is that open a door for a Michigan State team that is tough, that is hungry, they're fighting, they're just not that good. That, to me, is going to be the secret for Michigan State. If Northwesterns believe in their press clippings, the Spartans have a chance. But if Michigan State comes away with this and, say, loses by two scores or less, it's a, it's a you know, it's chalk it up as a, as a nice game for Michigan State. Very good. 2.30 Central Time at ESPN2 on Saturday, Northwestern to Michigan State. Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation. Hondo, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Penn State. And here to talk about the Nittany Lions, Corey Geiger of NittanySportsNow.com. And, man, uncharted territory for Penn State football, Corey. It's, it, this, these are some dark times right now, aren't they, for, for Penn State? Yeah, this is tough. You know, you, you, you go into the year preseason top 10 and you're 0-5. Greg, they're the first team ever that was preseason top 10 to start 0-5. I mean, that's that's staggering. Now, usually you have some non-conference games, some cupcakes to get a win here or there. We didn't have that. But, man, it is uh, – you talk about uncharted, never seen anything like this. They've just lost tons of great players. Micah Parsons opted out. Journey Brown with a heart condition that forced him to retire. Backup running back Noah Kane gets hurt on the first series of the season. You've lost three of your four best players before you've even finished the first series of the season. And all of that really, Greg, is, is just kind of caught up with them. And then just some really poor play by their quarterback, Sean Clifford, with a lot of bad turnovers, putting the team in a hole. It, 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 pretty much anything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong for Penn State. Let's start at the quarterback position because they both played against Iowa. Levis started it and then and then Clifford came back in the second half. Where do they go from here? Is it just a rotation? Is it a feel? What do you think they do the last the last three weeks? Well, there's two ways to look at it. Sean Clifford can beat these teams with his arm if he doesn't turn the ball over. Will Levis can't really beat these teams with his arm, but he doesn't turn the ball over. So it's really just pick your poison. I think I think they're going to give Sean Clifford every opportunity to, to reclaim the job. Because, again, when, when he's healthy and playing well, he, he's very skilled. Sean Clifford is a skilled guy throwing the ball. It's just he crushed them with some turnovers, you know, interceptions and fumbles, and that's put Penn State in a big hole. But Will Levis, I think, Greg, is, is still maybe just more of a running back who's playing quarterback. And you, you don't really – I know against Nebraska he let him back in the second half, but that was really – you know, just catch up ball and no offense, but Nebraska's defense is just not any good. So, uh, yeah, I think James Franklin is going to want to give um, Sean Clifford every opportunity, uh, unless he just keeps turning the ball over again, and then you just have no choice. Okay, this week it's on to the big house to take on a Michigan team that did did find a little bit of spark late in their win over Rutgers last week. 
Give me the breakdown on this matchup for Saturday. Well, obviously, two struggling teams. But I think the way Michigan beat Rutgers, and yeah, you can say it was Rutgers, but they came back from 17 nothing down. They won in triple overtime. Those kids are feeling good about themselves. I know they're 2-3, and three, but they just had something really cool happen. Their backup quarterback came in and led them back to a win. And I think Kate McNamara is the kind of quarterback that can give Penn State some trouble. So Penn State kids just really are struggling with confidence mightily. Pat Fryermuth, their All-America tight end, is out. I just think this is going to be a, 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 a. I think this is going to be a, a big, a big win for Michigan. I think Michigan is, is a little more confident. Penn State has no confidence right now, uh, even though the line's only about four points. I can see Michigan winning this somewhere around thirty-seven to twenty or something. Corey, big picture: D- Does anything happen in the off season, or is this just written off as an odd twenty twenty season, and we'll give her a go next fall? Yeah, nothing can really – they're not going to fire James Franklin. He's got he's owed 30-plus million of a buyout. He's not going to leave for another job because he's going to go 2-7 and seven and nobody would hire him. So this is what they've got. Their recruiting is not great, Greg. They're 24th in the country in the 247. So, you know, they're not going to have great influx of talent. They had a third-string safety transfer today. He was a four-car – enter the portal day. He was a four-star recruit. I, I think they're probably going to have some kids transfer – I don't know for sure that the starting quarterback next year is on this roster right now. That you know they're going to have to go look at the portal with the one-time transfer rule coming into play. So, yeah, I, Penn State fans are really, really, really angry and taking all their frustration out on James Franklin. Uh, but James Franklin's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be here for a few more years, and, and we'll see if he can get it turned around. Penn State goes to Michigan Saturday at 11 Central Time on ABC. Corey Geiger with us from NittanySportsNow.com. Corey, thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. Happy Thanksgiving. Rutgers. And here to talk about the Scarlet Knights, James Cratch of NJ.com. Rutgers coming off a heartbreaking loss to Michigan in triple overtime last week. What a thrilling game. And even in defeat, there had to be a lot of positives taken out of that game, I would think, for the Scarlet Knights. Oh, definitely. I mean, hey, they, they lost to Michigan 52 nothing a year ago, and the head coach got fired, you know, six, 16 hours after that loss. So, obviously, a, a big kind of, you know, change to take the Wolverines triple overtime, lose 48-42. Look, this is not a classic Michigan team, uh, but that being said, you know, I, I still think the Wolverines have more talented Rutgers at this point. Uh, you know, a really strong effort from Rutgers. And, hey, they should also be a little bit disappointed because, they had a 17-point lead at one point. You know, they had a double-digit lead in the second half. This, that was a game Rutgers could have won, should have won. But obviously, they just were not able to make enough plays down the stretch on defense. Obviously, great effort to force overtime. Is, couldn't get it done there. James, how has Noah Vedrill done, the former Husker quarterback? How, how would you grade his performance through this part of the season? I would say it's about a C or so. I mean, he's been kind of up or down. I thought, obviously... This was the best game that we've seen out of him. Um, I, looks like the best game of his college career. But the Illinois game the week prior, he really struggled through three interceptions in the, in the second half, including one late in the game to kind of set the Illini up to you know go down the field, kick the field goal, win the game. And he's been inconsistent. You know, I think he has done some good things. I think that the turnovers have been a concern, although he kind of cut that out against Michigan. Obviously, he's a guy who can make things happen with with his feet in the running game. I don't think Rutgers has utilized him as much as, as a rusher as they should. I'm sure you guys know he is tremendous 
you know, running the, the zone read with his mesh points. It's He gets the TV cameras even all kind of out of whack, not sure where the ball is going. Uh, but, you know, and look, he's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard because obviously in 2020, we're, we're not at practice. We don't really have any contact with them. You know, everything's through Zoom. And the, the first time any of us ever spoken to Noah was literally after they beat Michigan State in the season opener. Um, you can tend sense that he's a leader and he's a guy who has kind of established himself and can kind of help this team. You know, a lot of these guys in this roster are not used to being in successful programs or places where they win, and he has been there. So I think he, he's been solid on the whole. He's been one of the best quarterbacks records had in recent years, but still I think that the next few games are going to be kind of big for him to see if he can kind of get off that C, C grade and kind of move up. No doubt. All right, this week it's at Purdue for the Scarlet Knights. What are the keys to this one as you view it? I mean, defense has to step up. You know, obviously the run defense has really struggled the past two weeks, taking a lot of the heat, but the secondary has been pretty inconsistent. And obviously, Boilermakers lead the Big Ten and, and passing offense. Rondell Moore is back. And if you go back to 2018 when Greg Schiano was his last season at Ohio State, you know, that the game that kind of wrecked their season in terms of the playoff was that, you know, blowout upset loss at Purdue. So I think he knows all too well what, what the Boilermakers can do when they get rolling. But they really just got to, I think, protect the football and offense and kind of do as much as they can to contain that Purdue offense. All right, it's a 3 o'clock kick central time on Saturday. Rutgers at Purdue on FS1. James Cratch from NJ.com. James, we appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Cornerstone Bank is committed to providing you game-changing solutions for your financial needs. Bank on a solid foundation. Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Well, we've come to that time of the show. We could do some picks. N- not good picks, maybe, but we get to do some picks as we jump into our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. We're all here at the dinner table. Ooh. Ben, Josh, Tim, and Austin. This is a loaded segment, Josh. And uh, before we get into it, how did we do last week? Well, some of us better than others. So, uh, <laughs> For the Purdue-Minnesota game, I was the only one that got that right, and I'll admit I was very lucky on that one. But uh, all but Austin got the uh, Wisconsin-Northwestern game wrong, and um, we were kind of mixed, but I'll I'll just tell you how everybody did overall. Greg, you were 4 of 8. Ben, you were 3 of 8, so not Mm. great. I was 7 of 8, extending my lead. The only one I got wrong was Wisconsin. Um, Tim was six of eight, so solid as well. And Austin, five of eight. So all of us back here in this room did better than you guys. So I'll, I, I'll just lay that out there. I am done, like, trying to trying to piddle paddle bef- back and forth between, like, ups. Because remember early, there were so many upsets. Yeah. And I got so tired of picking the favorites. And, and, not, and I think I've just done a complete 180, <laughs> starting yeah. to pick a lot of upsets that just aren't happening. So my lead now is seven points over wow. Greg. Wow. You, you and Tim are tied for second place right now. Whew. All right, got work to do then. Yeah, we'll right. have to lead a little bit, but I am beating Ben right now, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, that's, that's what awesome. That's, that's all that matters. All right, uh, Ben, we'll start with you. Saturday at 11, it's Michigan hosting Penn State and two of the most disappointing <laughs> teams of the year. Michigan a two-point favorite. What do you think? Yeah, um... <laughs> <laughs> think about where this game ranked five weeks ago on everybody's excitement level. I think this. I think we did a top ten list on top ten Big Ten games, and this one was probably on everyone's list. I'm going to pick Michigan. I really like what I'm seeing out of uh, McNamara. I think he's provided a little bit of a spark, a little energy. 
I realize it took, what, three overtimes to beat Rutgers. But it, Penn State hasn't beaten anybody in any overtime. So uh, I, I am going to pick Michigan reluctantly. Josh? I'm going Penn State. They get their first win of the year. They get it done. Wow, Tim. I ain't picking Penn State until they show <laughs> me something. Uh, give me the Wolverines. <laughs> They're getting yeah, the Rutgers treatment, huh? Right. <laughs> Austin? I pulled up that top ten that we did, and I had Penn State Michigan at my number four spot. You guys had it at eight and nine of top ten Big Ten football games this year. But I've fallen for the gambler's fallacy one too many times with Penn State. I'll take the Wolverines. Yeah, I'm going Wolverines, too. I think McNamara gave them some life. I think he'll play well again this week. They're the home team. I think the Wolverines get it done. All right, Austin or Josh, to you next. Also at 11 on Saturday on the Deuce, Maryland back at it after a couple of weeks off with COVID. They go to Indiana. 11-point, who's your favorite in this game? Yeah, Maryland is has been very spunky this year. They've shown a lot of fight, but Indiana is just is really good. They're, they're a solid football team, so give me the Hoosiers. Tim? Rolling with the Hoosiers. Uh, Tom Allen squad's got it going, and that's uh, not going to stop against uh, the Terrapins. Okay. Austin? Yep. Take the points. Take the Hoosiers. Yeah, I think this is I think this is a bit closer game than 11. I think Maryland's going to cover. I think Indiana has had emotional letdown after that game with Ohio State last week, but they survive uh, by a field goal, Ben McLaughlin. I take the Hoosiers by a field goal. Tom Malzer's coach, there is no emotional letdown in that guy. Um, I, I said I was hopping off the Hoosier train just for one stop. I'm right back on. Uh, I, let the, I let the Ohio State train car go by, but I'm right back on the Hoosier train, and I, I will be until they get beat by somebody other than the best team in the conference. So all aboard, Hoosier train. Woo. All right. Very good. Last game at 11 in the league, and, Tim, I say this good one for you as Ohio State visits Illinois. The Buckeye is a cool four-touchdown favorite. Well, you all know how high I am on uh, the Illini and Lovey Smith. Uh, that being said, I don't think I could uh, rightfully pick them. I think I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. No matter how many times Brandon Peters tries to throw to Josh and Matter, baby, I don't think it'll be enough. Bucknuts roll. Again, Illinois covers this one, Ooh. but they don't win. It's a Buckeye win. Normally, I would throw some tor- some type of Illinois punchline here, but that that would no. seem disingenuous yep. after what happened on the field last week. So I'm just going to politely say Ohio. St- I think Ohio State will win. <laughs> yeah, no disrespect to Illinois, but Ohio State's my pick. All right, Austin, to you next. Two thirty kick on on the Deuce, Michigan State. After not playing last week because of the Maryland situation, host Northwestern, and they're a thirteen and a half point underdog. Is Sparty in this game? What do you think? That seems a little bit high for two defensive-minded teams. I think we'll be lucky to see 13 total points scored in that one. But Northwestern's due for a letdown at some point in these last three games. I don't think it's against Michigan State, though. I'll take the Cats. I think there is a letdown coming up for Northwestern, but I take the Cats. (laughs) As long as uh, Michigan State's rolling out Rocky Lombardi, I don't think I'm going to pick them to win. (laughs) Although I do like what I see from some of their young wide receivers. Um, they're not going to win. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Speaking yep. of letdowns, Michigan State are a letdown. Uh, sorry, Sparty, ain't going to happen. Northwestern, they're not going to score a lot, but they'll get the win. You skipped over me, Tim, but I that's he, all right. He's, I, he's good at that. He's got a ten- you know, if you're, if you're watching film on Tim, on Tim <laughs> that's a tendency. You know, that's, <laughs> Do that, the hard that's count. a tendency. He'll he jump. jumps the gun sometimes. Yeah, also just give him the hard count. He's going to jump off sides. He's just no <laughs> discipline. <laughs> Northwestern's my pick, though, as we rewind. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Last game of the day. It's a 3 o'clock on FS1. Rutgers travels to Purdue. We heard from James Cratch earlier in the Blitz. 
11-point Purdue favorite. They got Rondale Moore back. They're mad about the way that game ended in Minneapolis, giving Josh a rare win on that thing because oh, yeah. he picked the Gophers. I go Blitters pretty big in this game. I'm I'm on Team Purdue here, too. I think Rutgers fights them, though. I, I For whatever reason, Shiano's gotten those guys playing really tough right now. I don't I – don't, I think Rutgers definitely covers, and, and it wouldn't shock me if they win. Um, but I'm going to say Purdue by six points. Yeah, I'm going Purdue here as well. I, yeah, again, this would not this would not be the most shocking upset of the day at all if if Rutgers pulled this out. But yeah, you, you have to think the Boilers are just are ticked off after that <laughs> last game. Yeah, the Scarlet Knights will show up uh, ready to fight, but probably a little bit emotionally drained after that triple OT letdown. Uh, but the Boilers have been solid, and uh, it's probably all due to Bobby Diaco. Looking good, Bobby. I would say it's not due to Bob Diaco, but I, I will take Purdue as well. I just want to see what kind of sweater he wears when he yeah. walks into the stadium. Yeah. All right, let's go to some top 25 matchups. A couple of them tomorrow as 15th-ranked Iowa State travels to 20th-ranked Texas. The Longhorns are a one-point home dog in this game, Ben McLaughlin. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I, I have a hard time judging where the Longhorns are. Uh Usually they're a pretty easy team to predict, but um, a one-point home dog tomorrow. I'll take the horns. I'm not overly thrilled with my pick, but um, I'll say hook them one more time. I'll go Iowa State. Give me, give me the clones. <laughs> yep, I got to consult my Texas's back meter, and right now it's telling me Texas is not back. Give me the clones. <laughs> As we go through our preseason top 25s and we bring up these teams you know, throughout the year, these are two of the teams we trust the least, along with Michigan, who's now dropped out. I don't trust either of them, but I think I lean Texas on this one. Dun, 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 give me the horns. Home dogs, love them. Give me Texas. All right, Josh, to you also a Friday game is second-ranked Notre Dame on the road at 25th-ranked North Carolina, who can score only a five-point favorite for the Irish. Are they in trouble? I don't think so. I, I'm going Notre Dame. I I mean, they, they're undefeated. They haven't lost yet. North Carolina has lost a pair of games. They can score, so it makes me a little bit nervous, and the, the close line makes me even more nervous. Does Vegas know something I don't? But I, I'm going to play it safe here and go with, with uh, the Golden Domers. Yeah, give me the luck of the Irish. Notre Dame will win this one. Maybe not big, but they have enough horses to get this one done over North Carolina. We saw Notre Dame win a shootout with Clemson. I think they're more built for it than I thought they were. I thought Clemson would win this one, but I can't in good good conscience pick the Tar Heels, so give me the Domers. Mac Brown, home team, loves the upsets. They do it. The Heels pull the upset out of Notre Dame. We're going to shake up that college football poll next week. Give me the North Carolina Tar Heels. All right. This would be just the type of game North Carolina would win. I mean, they score so many points, but their defense is just terrible. Atrocious. Um, Corey Geiger, that one. Give me Notre Dame. (laughs) I think it's a high-scoring game. Um, I think five points is about right. That's about how I see that going. I'll say Carolina even covers, but uh, Ian Book makes one more play at the end. Very good. Okay, uh, off to Tim for our final pick, the Iron Bowl. Auburn at Alabama. This is on Saturday, 2.30 on CBS. 
Bama, the home team, and a 24-point favorite, but no Nick Saban mm. tested positive for COVID. He ain't getting Are out of sure this one. Are we sure it's a positive this time? Yep. <laughs> he ain't getting out of this one. He's got some symptoms now. He's not going to be on the sidelines. Tim, does it make a difference? Uh, no, it does not. Uh, Alabama do not need Nick Saban. Uh, they could have, um, oh, I don't know, they could have me patrolling the sidelines, Ooh. and the Crimson Tide would probably still find a way <laughs> to win this Jumping off one. sides a lot. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. right, they'd still win. Uh, yeah, the, the, I think the spread's like 24 and a half uh, in favor of the Tide. I don't know if Alabama covers necessarily, but uh, they'll get the win. Auburn and Georgia have been equally disappointing to me. I don't love what I'm seeing from either of those programs. Give me Alabama pretty big. Roll Tide. Yeah, I think I think it's Bama and almost a name your number type yep. deal. I mean, I, I it's just roll damn tide for me all day. Sorry, Auburn. I am not a fan <laughs> of your football team this year at all. Yep, I'm going Bama. Make it All make right. it a clean sweep. No, no doubt. I don't. I don't think we're going to be wrong on that one. Again, those are our Big Ten predictions. Brought to you by Choices Treatment Center. If you or someone you love has a problem with gambling, call Choices Treatment Center at 402-476-2300 or the Nebraska Gamblers Assistance Program at one eight three three two three eight sixty eight. 37. And callers and guests into our show, dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. And that wraps up another hour here of Sports Nightly. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. And in motion to tight end, they turn, give it off to Lee, hit by Doman and dropped for a loss of a yard. JoJo Doman wasn't fooled that time, comes firing through there to bring the ball carrier down, now third and goal. Great play by JoJo. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Husker send the blitz, Will Honus, Buckeyes pick it up, now he's hit and dropped. Oh, Caleb Tanner came around on a stunt and slams Justin Fields to the turf of the 49-yard line. Tonight. Outside linebackers coach, Mike Dawson. Another huge third and three from the Nebraska 20. Ramsey turns, gives it off the hole, hit from behind and dropped for a loss by JoJo Doman. Back at the 24-yard line, it's a loss of four. It sets up fourth down and eight. And the field goal unit coming on for Northwestern. Nice play by Doman. Big play. Proudly brought to you by Channel. Channel Seedsman plays products to perform across Nebraska. Get expert advice that yields results at channel.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our football show for the week and day earlier because of the holiday tomorrow and the Huskers playing on Black Friday. Not a Saturday matchup this week. Nebraska getting ready to travel to Iowa City where they'll take on a Hawkeye team that's playing really good football. Going to talk with the coach for the entire hour. If you want to be a part of the program, here's a couple of ways to do it. You can dot us up with a call, 531-500-4686, or fire off a text on our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. Same number works for that text as well at 531 500 4686. Well, coach, I wish we had you on after a, a, a better week. That was a tough one Saturday, and it was. It's a team game, and that one was a team loss. Uh, there were things to point to in all three phases. I'm sure that the coach and staff didn't like. Yeah, Greg, that that was uh, one of those. Uh, anything that uh, could go wrong kind of did go wrong, and uh, it was a team. You win as a team. Two weeks ago, we were we were happy as a team together, and uh, you know, two 
two solid, uh, you know, three solid performances by everybody. And then this week was the exact opposite of that. So uh, generally in this game, I always say, I think it's the ultimate team sport. Uh, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, everybody's going to go uh, win together. Everybody's going to lose together. And that one was definitely one that we lost together. Well, how, how has this group responded since that thing on Saturday? Yeah, no one was happy. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, as it was going and and and, and afterwards. So uh, I, I was proud of the way the guys responded, even coming back uh, right on Sunday and 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 just thirsting and dying to get back to work and try to you know get rid of that. That's kind of the the blessing and the curse here with a short week uh, that we get a chance to put that one behind us uh, and uh, go out and compete again on Friday. Uh, the same time we had to get cranked right up and uh, get back into the preparation and uh, try to get ready to, to, to get out there and get a better performance going um, a little bit quicker than we normally would. How's, how's the, this year been for you? I mean, you, you come back to Nebraska during the off season. Um, you're with a different group in, in a way. I mean, you're obviously still on the defensive side of the ball, but you're not working with an E-lineman, but you're working with that outside backers. How's it been for you the last eight, nine months? Yeah, I, I mean, I, we could spend the next hour talking about that, Greg. Uh, <laughs> and probably just like everybody else that's out there and everyone that's listening, this this has been an uh, unprecedented time for all of us, and this uh, pandemic has made things uh, crazy in all of our lives. Um, and then throw on top of that, moving in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, we were in isolation when we were in New Jersey for 42 straight days, just trying to be diligent and making sure that when we did come back, we were uh, with a clean bill of health and then um, putting all the moving parts that go along with doing something like that. So we had to orchestrate movers and packers and people coming into the house in New Jersey and then the stuff getting out here and having a, a layover in between, between you know, uh, being out of one house and into another house. So uh, it's been crazy that way, uh, trying to get everything situated. But uh, all in all, uh, we're really happy about being back in Lincoln, and that was a big reason why we made this move is uh, to, to try to get back to Lincoln and, and, and this community. And then – as far as the football piece of it, you know, it's it's not how you would draw it up. Uh, you know, three or really, it's been truthfully four different schools in four years, or four different programs, I should say, teams in four years. So um, that part's been wild. But honestly, uh, the the experience and having the year last year uh, in New York and, and getting to coach the out, those outside linebackers and working with those those athletes and the and the staff that 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 I was on was, was great and it uh, helped prepare me to get back in here. And you know, I've always kind of been tied into the front since I've been with Eric um, going back to our UCF days obviously whether it's the the D-line or the linebackers or the outside backers in this case we kind of you know had to work pretty tight and pretty well together so kind of knew what he would want and uh, the different tweaks and different ways of teaching that comes along with it and uh, it's been fun to get to know this group of guys a little bit better you're right I was around them but most of them were, were kind of either younger guys or uh, you know still kind of getting their feet wet when when I was here two years ago so um, you know a little bit different that way and then uh, trying to get to know a bunch of people while at the same time you know socially distancing and wearing masks and uh, doing and doing a lot over zoom it, uh, it, made, it was pretty ta- challenging you, know, you get to learn people's bodies language and you know different inflections and whether it's uh, verbal or you know the, the visual cues that people give you when they're grasping you or learning from you or vice or, or vice versa uh it's made it real interesting for sure no yeah no doubt those are great points on all that one guy that was here when you were here and that you now have in your room is jojo Doman. assess for us the way you feel like he's played the first half of this season 
Yeah, JoJo's been a guy. I mean, yeah, you guys can all see it as well as everyone. He doesn't come off the field for us. Uh, he plays on defense, and then he's out there on some of the special teams. And um, I think he's he, he's increased his game, certainly. He's made some big plays. Um, he's done, uh, you know, he's had a, a, his fair share of, of tackles for losses and um, been smart. He had a great pickup on a tight end screen, something that we had kind of talked about uh, throughout the week heading into the Northwestern game that ended up being a, a big play and a point where we were kind of, uh, you know, had those guys, uh, you know, stymied a little bit at least. And uh, so he's grasping that stuff. And I think just keep, you know, he keeps on kind of getting better at, at his craft and doing what he's doing. I know Chins has talked about him, you know, kind of being, you know, the sky's the limit with him. He's just a, he's a great athlete that, uh, you know, he's got that body type that's kind of somewhere in between. And we kind of use him that way where he's been playing linebacker at times. And then uh, when we get down to our, our four down or our nickel package and he, he's playing what really would ordinarily be a defensive backs position or a safety position. So he's got the versatility to be able to do those things. And I think he's trying to work hard to kind of fit into how do I fit into the front when I'm playing outside linebacker and when I got to move off and be more like a safety or a second level body, how does that change and where do I fit into the pass game? So he's done a good job of trying to uh, learn that and process it and, uh, and and play fast, which I think for the most part he's been able to do and uh, cut it loose and go. I, I think a guy with the number, you know, number of reps that you have, you're going to have some hiccups here and there. And just like everybody, I think we're all as players and coaches still searching for that elusive perfect game where you hit the 70 or 70 five snaps where you grade them all out and everything is it comes up a plus but uh he's working hard to try to hit that and um he's got to keep going for us to be successful coach when you were here two years ago the huskers had a a a player named luke gifford whose younger brother's now on the team does is jojo similar to luke different in a lot of ways how would you compare those two guys you know, that's a good question, Greg, and, and, and probably a little bit different body type. You know, uh, again, I was, uh, you know, around Luke a little bit, but he was a longer body, um, you know, probably a little bit more lanky as an edge rusher. Um, JoJo's a little bit more compact, you know. Um, I'd have probably, and I don't know what Luke weighed when he was uh, playing exactly, but probably JoJo's a little, uh, you know, thicker, I guess, uh, more stout uh, that way, than, and Luke was probably a little bit longer if that makes sense. But, um, you know, playing that outside, playing that edge, and be able to – the both guys gave a good explosive uh, rush off the edge. Uh, JoJo probably plays back on the second level a little bit more than Luke did. However, now, obviously um, – uh, Luke's doing that in, down in Dallas a little bit. So, uh, you know, it, it, the, both guys are versatile. And it's probably a good comparison that I hadn't thought about, Greg. Yeah. Hey, tonight's football show brought to you by, in part by Midwest Ford Eaters. Visit them at buyfordnow.com. A young guy who was being recruited when you were here two years ago and now is a sophomore in the program and in your room is Garrett Nelson. What, what about Garrett and what growth have you seen in Garrett's game since you came back to town? Yeah, Garrett's been a big piece of, of what we've been doing, obviously. Um, he's a guy that uh, throughout the course of the summer, I mean, he, he just wants to learn. He wants to know everything, and he wants to know it now. If he had his way, I, I kind of equate it to taking college-level classes, right? You start off in the 100-level class. This is football 101. This is where you stand. This is your stance, how you line up, and all those things. And a lot of times he wanted to know what the 800-level uh, guys 
uh, we're learning right off the bat. And he's done a, a really good job this year of kind of uh, going back and starting from the beginning. Um, and, you know, last year he got thrown in there and he was playing uh, as a true freshman. And, uh, you know, that that's not easy to do. It's in particular, you know, the, the line, linebacker, tight end positions, especially in this league. So um, there was some room to kind of go back and say, okay, hey, let's, let's reset this a little bit. Now that you got your, your feet wet on it, uh, let's reset this and, and, and kind of start building this thing the right way. And I think he's done a good job. When you watch him play, uh, you know, there's, there's no one throwing their body around more than he is and flying around. He's doing a good job with that and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, he, I think he's limit, uh, minimized his, his, his errors uh, while at the same time getting a little bit more physical at the point of attack. Uh, we talk about striking our room uh, when you're putting your hands on a guy, and I think that uh, there's times where he's going to, you know, he'd be the first one to point out, ah, you know, I, I should have had a better base there. I could have had my hands a, a little bit tighter there and, you know, take some back, but I think he's done a much better job of setting the edge and, and and being able to strike people this year. Coach, I've heard you guys all say you want you want the team to play fast. Can you play too fast at times, and is, does Garrett fall into that trap at all? Well, I think that you can you can never play too fast for me, but you also have to play out. You have to play under control. So yeah. there's a difference to me between playing fast and playing uh, out of control or reckless. And when when he's gotten to position where he's maybe uh, missed the play and. Um, you know, we can point to the to the, he had an opportunity to make a, a play in the Penn State game that he missed, and that was more about where are my head and my eyes, and and what what's my leverage? That's something in in my in our room that we talk about a lot. Where what shoulder am I keeping the ball in? And usually, we're the edge of the defense. Normally, we're the edge of the pass rush. Uh, even though there could be a support player behind us, things like that, we have to do a great job, and 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 we have to continue to get better at playing with correct leverage, making sure that all of my fits are finishing with the ball carrier on the proper side of my body. And even if it's a play where hey, I could have made that tackle in practice, or or an opportunity to make a tackle, as long as you're fitting it with the correct shoulder, that that's something that's real important to us as a, as an outside linebacker group. So uh, you can be uh, never. I never, I never thought I found a player that was too big, and I never found one that was too fast. But you always have to play under control. You got to keep your feet and your hands inside the framework of your body, so you don't get overextended and out of position. That's the big deal. Very good. Okay. Hey, download the NEX app today to complete your shopping experience at the Midwest's number one shopping destination, Nebraska Crossing, the official shopping center of Husker Nation. Coach Dawson with us until the top of the hour, 531-500-4686, the number to dial us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. You can call us up on our Sports Sunday hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. A lot more with the coach coming up.